Happy Summer Friday, Options Action fans. We've got a big show lined up for you today. Here's what's on deck. As the lyrics go, to everything there is a season. For the big banks, that season is next week. Carter Worth will help you orchestrate a progression that could help you score. We think this is real good. Then, it's a stock with a mixed prognosis. But Tony Zhang has been taking a closer look at J&J's charts. There's a lot of potential here. He'll lay out a course of treatment if that's the pill you want to swallow. And caveat emptor. So this is an interesting situation. There are important clearance signs flashing in the debt and short interest of some retailers. But if that's all Latin to you, don't fret. Professor Coe will translate. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. And let's get right to it. Next week kicks off a flood of earnings from the financials with names like Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, all on deck to report. Our chart master, Carter Worth, says one name in the space is heading for a big bank breakout. Carter, take it away. Sure. So obviously very, very important part of the economy, a part of the market, and of course important because it leads the earnings cycle. Uh, I've got four uh, slides to look at, four charts. Let's just jump right in. The first thing we know, this is a two-panel chart. What you're simply looking at is the S&P 500 financial sector on top. And on the bottom, you're looking at its relative performance to the market. And what is quite remarkable, of course, is that that bottom panel, we are right at the 2009 lows, meaning financials are that bad. And so the question is, do we bounce here? Uh, Do we cut through? Independent of that, Uh, there is an opportunity in a name or two. Take a look at the second chart. This is Morgan Stanley, and it's also a two-panel chart. On the top is simply Morgan Stanley over the last five, six years. And now key here is Morgan Stanley's relative performance to its sector. And what you see, of course, is that Morgan Stanley is not at an all-time high, and yet relative performance has already broken out and is particularly firm over the past several trading sessions and past several weeks. So just two uh, charts of Morgan Stanley outright. The first, take a look here, one way to draw the lines. This would be a a wedge, if you will, a flag, if you will. It doesn't matter what you call it. It represents an equilibrium phase that's likely at an end. And now a bear would say it's going to break out to the downside. We'll take the other view. We think it's a powerful setup for a move up and out. And then another way, final chart, another way to draw lines. Exact same chart, but a cup and handle, if you will. So what we have here, uh, to my eye, is a nice setup going into earnings from a, a marquee financial that is exhibiting impressive performance to its peers. Uh, Morgan Stanley closed today at 49.80, and I think we're on our way to those January highs up at 57.58. All right. Mike, what's the trade here? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we just heard Bonwin talking about it. You're actually going to get a little bit of read-through on Morgan Stanley's business because, of course, J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs are both going to be reporting two and one days ahead of time, uh, respectively. You know, it's interesting because, of course, we've had a market condition here that's probably going to be supportive of their trading revenues. They actually have more revenues from fixed income trading and equity trading than they do from their other key businesses like wealth management and investment management. But they get more profits from those latter two categories. That makes them a slightly more stable business. And, of course, as we've seen elevated market levels, and we're also going to see elevated AUM, that's good for that side of the business. 
and they're not really expensive right here. Trading at about one times book, 11 times forward earnings. Of course, that's true for most of the financials, that they are trading at a discount relative to the market. But I do like it. Options prices are also a little bit elevated. I think the way to play this is just with a simple calendar spread. I was looking at the July-September 50 call calendar. Actually, the stock was a little bit lower when I was looking at this today. It obviously closed at a relatively good level on the day. That was going to cost about $1.85 for that spread. Now, here's the idea. If the stock goes to about 50 bucks, that's up a little bit from where it closed today. That's the best situation when that July option rolls off. That's going to expire a week from today. And then, of course, you can go ahead and sell additional calls against it over time if that's your choosing. Otherwise, you've basically lowered the cost of owning that longer dated call. And that, of course, is a way that you can take a longer term bullish view while limiting your risk. Tony, what do you think of this trade? Yeah, so out of all the stocks that are reporting earnings next week, I like Morgan Stanley actually the most because of the fact of the, what Carter just said about the strong relative strength of the underlying stock, but also the estimate revisions over the past few weeks on this particular stock has been particularly strong. And those are some of the things that I really look for going into a bullish earnings event. And Mike's trade here is risking less than 4% of the underlying stock price to take a bullish view going all the way out to September. And as he said, if those July calls roll off uh, worth, uh, um, worthless, then you can sell more calls against that and further reduce that risk. But the one question I do have for Mike is the fact that Morgan Stanley raised, uh, moved up 5% here today. So I'm curious if Mike would actually adjust his strikes a little higher, maybe to 51 or 52, if Morgan Stanley opens up around 50 on Monday. Yeah, it's actually interesting that you mentioned that because, of course, the stock was trading around $48 when I was first looking at that. And that was really my goal here was to look for a strike that was maybe 4 to 5 percent out of the money, basically, to the upside. So basically the same prices that I'm talking about here, you, are, you know, your prices will vary when you look at the market on Monday. That's something we contend with whenever we're dealing with a show on Friday. Where will the market open on Monday? But that's exactly right. We're looking to do a call calendar that's slightly out of the money to the upside to basically target a slight upside move and also try to collect some of that short dated premium. And Mike alluded to this at the beginning uh, when he was talking about this trade, Carter, but Morgan Stanley is the last of the big six banks to report next week. And what we've seen in the past, as he mentioned, is, you know, you get some of the big ones in the beginning and you have the whole group move as a monolith right off the bat. Um, would you think that that holds true? Uh, typically, that's the case. I mean, look, for instance, most recently when we got good news out of FedEx, right, UPS popped. Uh, it's not always the case, but uh, with this group in particular, since they are uh, all in the same lines of business, you might have an idiosyncratic one or two that is not in line, but if and as there is a big good or bad print from the leader, you should get follow through on the others. All right, we actually have some breaking news here on Atlanta's reopening plans. Let's get to Josh Lipton for more. Josh. Yeah, so Melissa, you have some real tension breaking out here between the mayor of Atlanta and the governor of Georgia. So seeing headlines here, the mayor of Atlanta is preparing to roll back the city's reopening plans as coronavirus, coronavirus cases surge, that the city will go back to phase one. That's in which um, all residents are ordered to stay home except for essential trips. You'll call Atlanta entered phase two at the end of May. However, the governor of Georgia firing back in a very sharply worded statement saying that her action is merely guidance, says that is both non-binding and legally unenforceable, says if the mayor actually wants to flatten the curve in Atlanta, again, the governor's office saying 
She should start enforcing state restrictions. So tough words here being exchanged between the mayor of Atlanta and the governor of Georgia trying to deal with these uh, surging coronavirus, coronavirus cases there. Melissa, back to you. All right, Josh, thank you. Josh Lipton, of course, the Atlanta mayor, uh, notable uh, of, re of recent uh, days because she tested positive for coronavirus herself. Um, Mike Coe, psychologically for the markets, I mean, we've seen this sort of rollback of reopening plans at this point. Um, does this put a damper on the markets, or do you think that markets are so inured has they've come to accept that there will be ebbs and flows in the fight against uh, coronavirus? Yeah, I, I think it has kind of accepted that fact. But I will say that, obviously, if we do see significant rollbacks in several quarters and you combine that with uh, basically a roll-off of some of the benefits that were being offered to people in need, you can imagine that that's obviously going to create some problems. Now, right now, I think what it's really going to depend on is going to be, if we see that, what the response from Washington is going to be. We've seen some on uh, the Democratic side suggesting really very strong responses, much bigger than a trillion dollars. And then, of course, you know, those led by McConnell saying maybe not quite so much. And I think that's really going to be the story. What we've seen is a big response. It's been good for the market and no response won't be. All right. Let's move on here. Check out shares of Johnson & Johnson hitting a bit of a dead end after rebounding off the March lows. But our Tony Zhang says the beaten down stock is about to come back to life. So, Tony, what are you seeing? Yeah, so Johnson & Johnson is actually a stock that I currently have a short position in that I'm actually looking to reverse into a long going into the earnings next week. Part of the reason why I have a short position is because if you look at the chart, it doesn't look particularly constructive, not only on an absolute basis, but also on a relative basis compared to the healthcare and pharma space. It's actually underperforming. But if you look at the estimate revisions going into earnings, they're particularly strong. So I actually see the recent decline in this underlying stock as an opportunity to get into a long position going into earnings next week. If we look at the earnings itself, the stock itself doesn't actually move very much on earnings, only averaging about a 2.1% move after earnings over the past four quarters, while the options market is implying about a, almost double that, 3.6%. So the markets are implying a significant move, and I'm expecting that move to be to the upside, because if we look at estimate revisions, they've been extremely strong over the past couple of weeks, which has been a very good indicator of outperformance going into an earnings event. So the trade here I'm looking to make is going out to the July. July 31st weekly options, and I'm looking to buy the 143 150 call spread, spending about $3.15 to buy that July 143 call, and collecting about 90 cents for that 150 call. Net net here, paying about $2.25, which is only 1.5% of the underlying stock price to take this bullish bet. Now, normally I wouldn't buy a call option that expires just three weeks from today. Usually I'll go a little further out, but because I'm playing earnings here, I'm looking for this just a binary event. I'm not looking to hold this going into the expiration. So that's something I want to make viewers aware of that this is the type of trade that you want to hold on to relatively shortly right after earnings and probably close out maybe next Friday or the following Monday. Mike, you've traded Johnson Johnson in the past. What do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you definitely, if you're going to make a bullish bet here, the stock obviously hasn't performed that well coming into this event, but it could be the catalyst. I mean, another way one could potentially play it if you're just looking to do the binary is to trade that at the money call is about $2. And then, of course, you would be, you know, whether you won or lost, you would know by the end of next week. But I can understand why, given the slightly elevated options premium that Tony is right now looking at using a call spread if you're going to look at that longer dated expiration of July 31st. What does that chart look like, Carter? 
Well, I mean, you've touched on so many of the key points. I mean, Tony started by saying it's uh, an uninspiring chart. Uh, we also know that the implied move is very low, meaning just getting long the stock is why you have to do a call spread to try to get some juice out of it. So it's one of two interpretations, and either is fair. It's a dullard. It's also perspective a sleeping giant. We know Amgen uh, has come to life in a big way, having been fallow for two, three years. Johnson & Johnson is essentially the same price it was in the autumn of 2017. It's one of the lowest beta healthcare stocks in the sector at a 0.7, and I think it's a very low risk uh, long, and uh, employing an option strategy gives you juice. I bet Carter got an 800 on the uh, verbal section of the SAT. That's my guess. Um, Tony, in terms of the longer-term view on Johnson Johnson, you made it very clear this is a short-term play. Longer term, would you still be inclined to be short? Uh, not necessarily. I think the pharma business is particularly strong. That's 50% of their revenue. The medical devices business, which took a short-term loss as a result of COVID-19, I expect that to recover fairly quickly. And the consumer business is holding up fairly well. So I like the stock long-term. It's trading at a fairly cheap valuation, around 17 times earnings. So I like this long-term. I was only short for a fairly short amount of time. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. Here's what is coming up next. What's the deal with retail stocks? Sometimes there's a reason you get flooded with coupons, and it's not in your favor. Find out how to tell if you're getting a discount or if it's a last-ditch sales tactic to just discount. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Retail, one of the hardest hit groups during the pandemic with some of the most recognizable names filing for bankruptcy and others right on the verge of it. Are there any deals here? Should buyers beware? So, Mike, your thoughts on retail here? Yeah, you know, we've all done it. We try to get a good deal. You look for discounts, you look for coupons, and obviously the market has had quite a rally off of the bottom. So people might start screening for stocks that look like the price has declined considerably. If you're an options trader, maybe you might look for elevated implied volatility so you can find some calls or puts to sell against the stocks that you're interested in. But I think it is really important that people exercise some caution. Right now, if you take a look at the Russell 3000, there might be about 20 retail stocks within the Russell 3000 that have implied volatility over 100. Should you look to buy those stocks and sell calls against them? I would exercise some caution. Let's take a look at a stock like Bed Bath & Beyond as an example. Here's a stock that's down about 50% over the last year or so. But the stock actually doesn't make that company cheap. Why? Because they've taken on about $2.5 billion worth of debt in the meantime. The enterprise value of Bed Bath & Beyond is actually 50% higher now than it was a year ago, even though the stock is lower. So it's not really a bargain. What about those expensive options? Do you want to sell puts on those or sell calls against the stock you own? Take a look at the debt as a warning sign. Right now, if you take a look at the debt that it matures in about four years, that's trading at about 80 cents on the dollar. Their long-term debt, 50 cents on the dollar. What that's telling you is that bond investors don't really believe that there's much of a future for these companies. So I would urge people, if you're screening for these types of deals, looking for really expensive options that you could sell, looking for really cheap stocks that you could buy, that might be illusory. Those stocks may not be as cheap as they look. They've possibly taken on a lot of debt. 
And those options, as expensive as they appear to be, are insurance against that equity. It's quite a risky place to play. Mm. So is there a trade that you would put on in retail, Mike? Yeah, so here's the thing. You know, you probably want to avoid those hard-beaten stocks and actually take a look at the ones that are doing pretty well. You know, Home Depot was the name I was looking at. That's obviously one of the better-performing retail stocks in the home improvement space. And the thing is, going into earnings, which they're going to be reporting uh, just at, into the third week of August, you're going to see elevated options premiums there. Maybe not as elevated as you see in names like Macy's, Dillard's, and Bed Bath & Beyond. But you could sell, for example, the August 265 calls. Those were trading about four, four and a half bucks when I was looking at that. You can collect a little bit of premium. Relative to the stock price that we saw today, you still have 8% worth of upside. And here's the thing. If you own that stock, and many people do, that call actually has over time. When you've been taking a look at how much time we have until earnings, that is a winning trade about 80% of the time, and it adds about 60 basis points of returns if you did that recurrently going into earnings. It's about a 5% boost to your annual returns. Is that going to knock the cover off the ball? Is that going to give you 10% in a month the way some of those others might appear to? No, but it is a much safer play on a much safer company. Thoughts on Home Depot, Carter? Well, I mean, you're, you're singling out not only uh, best in class, but also Within the entire consumer discretionary sector, home builders and related stocks are acting very well. So I'm, I'm all for Home Depot. I like Lowe's, too, uh, and uh, home builders as well. Tony? So that's where I'm a little conflicted because you have consumer spending that's extremely strong on home improvement, but you have Home Depot stock that has somewhat found a bit of an equilibrium around this 250 area and has started to actually underperform the sector a little bit. So the cover call here makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, the, and just to put into context Mike's trade here, he's collecting almost 2% of the underlying stock price in 45 days, whereas opposed to if you own Home Depot stock, you're collecting about 2.3% for the year on dividends. So the yields here look very attractive, especially if Home Depot finds a bit of a temporary top here around 250, 260. Yeah. Last word, Mike. Yeah. I mean, that's really the idea here is that because the stock has performed so well, because so many people hold it, because you have this catalyst and elevated options premiums, you're basically looking to enhance your returns. And that's why we're going to look at selling an upside call against it. This isn't an overwhelmingly knock it out of the park bullish bet. And that's really not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is hit a single here. All right. Up next, a Staples surge. Kraft Heinz posting a big comeback during just the past few months. And that is good news for one of our traders. Plus, we're taking your tweets. So send us your questions at Options Action. We'll answer some of them on air. We'll get back right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Just last month, Mike said one consumer stock was about to rack up some big gains. The stock continues to bump up against the 33.50-34 level, and a breakout here would be in principle uh, clear sailing all the way up to the mid to low 40s. I think it's a tremendous opportunity. I was looking at the August 32 and a half puts. When I was looking at this earlier today, you could collect $1.90 for those. The downside risk is that you would own it at 32 dollars a $1 discount to where it closed today. Of course, then you're also going to still have that $1.90 you collected. Since then, shares of Kraft Heinz have rallied. Uh, so, Mike, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, actually, we've got the stock pretty much right on that strike that we sold. And, you know, one of the reasons you do trades like this as an investment strategy 
you're basically saying I'm comfortable buying the stock here or maybe at a bit of a discount. And that's exactly where we are. So I'm comfortable staying with this position. We have about 40 days to go. All right. Uh, let's take some tweets now. Our first viewer asks, Lockheed Martin just hit a 50% retracement point between its low from mid-March and its high a month ago. How much will the upcoming election affect the stock's next move? Looking at 2008, it lost a great deal of value around election time. Mike? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, depending on how we think this election is going to turn out, is that good for defense stocks or not? I like defense stocks in general, and I like Lockheed Martin. However, that 50% retracement is a little bit troubling. If you long the stock and you're not going to sell it, I might look to sell some covered calls up here. Otherwise, I might actually exit my position and look for a better entry point. Is that retracement troubling to you, Carter? It's especially poor. The group is poor. General Dynamics, Northrop Grumman, I do not like this area of the market. Mm. All right. Our next viewer asks, what is the best strategy for AMD at these levels? Tony, why don't you take that? So I really like AMD, especially compared to Intel. It's had recent outperformance. It did have a pretty big move this week. It pulled back about 2.5% today, and I like that pullback as a potential entry for long. The strategy that I like here is actually going out to August and selling a put spread here, maybe the 55.50 put spread that collects about $2.25, which is more than 40% of the width. That type of probability or edge that I'm looking for in an option is the type of trade that I would do here on AMD. All right. Our next viewer has a question here on Facebook. Uh, he's holding Facebook September 270 calls, sold one at $8 to cover costs. Should he hold the other? Carter, what do you say? I mean, I would of all the marquee, big, uh, sort of popular tech, whatever you want to call it, names. This is the least extended. Close today at 245. Uh, I would stay. I think there's a lot of upside, certainly relative to the more extended Microsoft and Apple type names. Mike, what would you say? Yeah, I think so. This is definitely one you can stick with. All right. Time for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter, kick it off. Morgan Stanley into earnings. We like it a lot. Bye. Tony. I like pharma going into earnings. Long Johnson & Johnson through a call spread. Mike. Home Depot earnings coming up in August. Sell covered calls against your long stock. All right, that does it for us. We'll see you back here next Friday at 5.30. Meantime, very special bonus edition of Fast Money is coming up right after this.